0: Last panel for this year, Steve McCabe and Bootsy Moran with me today. Now, the festive season coming, and so with it, the gatherings, the festivals, the dance parties, the tents and glow sticks, and the recreational drugs. But do you know what you're taking? A new report finds that 22% of drugs Kiwis were buying were partially or completely different to what people had thought they'd bought this from drug tracking bodies, the New Zealand Drug Foundation, Know Your Stuff, and the Needle Exchange. Mm-hmm. Of these, twelve percent were another substance entirely. With us as NZ Drug Foundation Communications Director, Hayden Eastman-Mine, Hayden kia ora. good to have kia you to here. Us? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's quite a statistic, isn't it? Twenty-two percent of drugs checked partially, completely different. Uh, One can just imagine the possible dangers here.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it definitely shows the importance of drug checking. And I guess I would just flag that this is 22% of drugs that people have brought into us. So um, it's not not necessarily indicative um, of of, um, the wider drug landscape, but it certainly is, you know, it shows why we do need these services.
0: By the way Hayden, this is a bit of a world first isn't it a police endorsed world first this checking doesn't happen anywhere else
1: there are yeah there are places that happens overseas but certainly the, the kind of legal framework where we now have you know permanently legal free uh, drug checking services in Aotearoa, that that is a world first so yeah this has been a big year for drug checking um, we've had uh, three providers. Um, know Your Stuff has been doing it for a while, um, but uh, then also we've joined as a, a licensed drug okay. checking provider this year and the needle exchange. Yeah,
0: all right, Hayden, let's have a bring on the panel. Boopsy, have
2: you seen a lot of fentanyl lately? Because I just got back from a trip um, overseas in the states, and they're noticing in high schools it's getting really problematic, just random painkillers are being laced with it, and kids are bringing like the antidote shot to house parties that's how high it's gotten overseas. Oh, yeah. So do you see that kind of trend happening here?
3: Yeah,
1: no, we, we haven't been seeing fentanyl in our drug-checking clinics, um, but certainly we were involved, um, along with Know Your Stuff and um, High Alert, in checking the substance that was um, found to have caused 13 mm-hmm. and in upper earlier this year, that, that was fentanyl. But no, in terms of this data from drug-checking clinics, Um, We haven't been seeing the kind of um, widespread fentanyl outbreak that we've seen overseas. But we have been really pushing for wider availability of that antidote that you talk about, um, naloxone.
4: Um,
1: We really want to see Aotearoa be prepared for a widespread outbreak.
5: I think this is an absolutely brilliant initiative because it's doing what we should be doing, which is treating drug use as a public health issue, not as a criminal issue. And and the, and we're centering the the safety of the users rather than trying to punish anyone who's breaking drug laws. I think it's absolutely brilliant, and it, it brings to mind the fact that you know we have we have strict quality controls for alcohol here, and and alcohol that's poorly produced can. And people um, drinking methanol rather than ethanol, which can lead to blindness and death. And so we make sure that that people drink safe alcohol. I think what what these guys are doing is absolutely brilliant because they're taking the next logical step of right. making sure that other mind-altering chemicals are safe. So good on you, mate. I'm glad you're doing what you're uh-huh. doing. <laughs> okay, so that's the argument, isn't it? Hayden, what sort of
0: drugs then are the focus for 2022-2023?
1: Yeah, well, um, I mean, that's a, that was a really good point, and I want to I pick up on that. So... Um... High alert, which is a network um, of organisations including the police and customs, they are saying that it's likely we'll see more adulterated, so um, that's tainted, um, or completely substituted MDMA over the summer, Um, and that's due to there being lower availability of MDMA and higher availability of the kind of things that get substituted for it, like cathinones or what's commonly known as bath salts, and. Um, as, as your guest just said, it, it points to the absurdity of the current law. You know, drug checking is a great health-based um, initiative, but um, the police, on the one hand, they're, they're through high alert. They're warning that we'll mm. likely see more tainted MDMA this uh, this summer season. But on the other hand, they're also the ones that are having to uh, stop it coming, stop MDMA coming into the country. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, we've seen a lot of talk recently, you know, you probably would have seen, you know, either Guyon and, Guy and Espina or, or Paddy Gower's documentaries recently about um, our drug laws. Um, but we're seeing a lot of talk about, you know, why aren't we moving towards regulated supply of these lower harm substances? Because what's actually causing the harm with MDMA is when it's not MDMA, and that's caused by prohibition.
0: You can appreciate, Hayden, can't you, that a sizable section of the panel, listenership, not inconsiderable, across the country will say, well, what the heck, they shouldn't be taking these sorts of drugs anyway. You know, whether you've got your novel benzos or your bromazolams or uh, your MDMAs, uh, where are the big banners at the festivals, Hayden, which <laughs> says don't take these drugs?
1: I mean, we've been trying it. don't, don't-take-drugs approach uh, for 50 years since mm-hmm. um, Nixon launched the war on drugs. Um, and, you know, you will have heard many people say, if there's a war on drugs, drugs are winning. Um, you can't... People will always take drugs. And so if you accept that fact, you say, OK, well, then how do we reduce harm for people? Will they um, um, always actually, take drugs? It, well, <laughs> the, the, the proof so far is that they will, you know, um, and that... Um, pushing them underground, prohibiting them, actually causes more harm um, than it stops. And actually, in terms of of the popularity, um, we've done polling that says that, you know, more than 60% of New Zealanders actually do want a health-based approach instead of uh, this prohibition approach.
2: Yeah, because I saw needle exchanges in Switzerland, like, in 2005. So certain cities are definitely doing this sooner than us. But I have a question about um, demand. So with your Check Your Stash... Let's say people are taking drugs. I heard there was a shortage of checking it for festivals. Is it there's not enough staff or is it there's a machine the shortage of the machine you use or is it a shortage of something else?
1: Yeah. So there are a limited number of machines. I mean, I, what I would say about that is that this is the, the drug checking, the licensed drug checking scheme um, is in its infancy, and mm-hmm. you know we'd love to see it in more places and more festivals. Um, it certainly is going to be running at capacity this summer. Um, it will, you know, know your stuff will be at a lot of festivals. We're doing um, uh, pre-festival clinics. I actually just arrived at a festival in Albert Park in Auckland right now to help right. out because they are slammed. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, we'd love to see um, an expansion because it's not reaching the whole of the country right now. Um, so yeah, we'll look forward to seeing.
2: What and you're seeing by does. doing this that less people are in hospitals, so you're actually saving money sometimes because less people are in your wards. Oh,
1: absolutely. Um, just earlier today, I was um, watching an interview with um, with Glenn Holt from St John, and he said, without a doubt, they're seeing, particularly at big events, less drug harm uh, when there's drug checking available.
0: Good to have you on, Hayden Kia ora. Thank you for your time, Kia ora. That's Hayden Eastman, mine there, the New Zealand Drug Foundation. Communications Director, what do you think about that? Text me 2101. Do you support uh, this? Certainly very interesting. Make sure that you do stay safe uh, if you are going to be at a festival this season. Now to this. The New Dunedin Hospital, when it was announced, was met with great fanfare. The existing one in dire need of being replaced. Since then, though, it's been the story of budget blowouts and cuts, a possible budget blowout of 200 million. dollars. Uh, the government's announced $110 million in additional funding for this $1.5 billion project. There's a shortfall, though, of tens of millions. Some services have had to be cut from the design of this new hospital. So with us is the Association of Salaried Medical Specialists Executive Director, Sarah Dolden. Kia ora, Sarah. I know you're on holiday, so thank you so much for taking a little bit of time for us. Kia ora,
6: Wallace. How are you?
0: Good what is being proposed now is not fit for purpose tomorrow. Your words, explain that a bit for us.
6: So we only build new hospitals once every 50 years or so, um, probably not often enough if you look at our track record around the country and the state our hospitals are in. So any shortcuts, any... Um, extra kind of um, cuts to what was planned over a period of four years of careful planning is not just hurting us now, it's hurting us over a very long long period of time.
0: Yeah, I mean, this has been so many years in the planning. They've known about this hospital for a long time. It's going ahead. Much excitement, as I said. So the Cabinet signed off on, what, 421 beds. The number's now 398. I think that's the equivalent of a ward. You've got 450 non clinical workspaces, will this all really make that much of a difference not to have that extra capacity?
6: Our members tell us it will make a significant difference, both in terms of current levels of need and also being able to work efficiently and to maximise care for patients in the hospital setting. Um, There's been a lot of time and thought put in to making sure that they could maximise good models of care and efficient ways of working in the new build and now that's been really stripped away so there's a lot of things in this it's easy for us to imagine hospital beds but there's a lot of logistics things and non-clinical workspaces impacting how um, clinicians work together that are less obvious to us as members of the general public but are really going to hurt in terms of this build.
0: Boopsy new hospital but cuts planned before it's been built?
2: Well, uh, my daughter and I spent 14 hours in the emergency room at Starship um, when she had RSV, and I cannot imagine what a strange thing to cut um, beds. Um, So, yeah, so I I feel for you, um, and I...
5: Uh, A final business case, which did include the full 421 beds. That's the business case that Cabinet signed off on, so Cabinet have to be responsible for funding that. And while I do have massive respect for Grant Robertson, one thing I don't like about him is the fact that he's constantly allowing himself to be bound by... National Party-style restrictions on taxation and on borrowing. We need these things. New Zealand's got phenomenal credit uh, internationally. We can borrow. And, and the usual argument is that we're saddling future generations with, with debt. OK, we'll work with them with debt, but instead we'll saddle them with not enough hospital beds, with inadequate provision of, of care. I, th- I think that if you could ask future generations, I think they'd probably say, can we have the hospital, please? Right. Because that will keep them alive. That'll
0: be, that'll be very interesting, uh, actually, to follow uh, up on that. And, I mean, Cabinet has signed off on 421 bads, whether or not they need to stick to that and less so the number. But, look, uh, Sarah, um, this, does this carry uh, – because it's also a medical centre as well, Ataga University – does this carry a possible operational but also a reputational risk for the South Island
6: Yeah, absolutely. There are real restrictions, but I do want to pick up on Steve's point because he makes a really good one um, in terms of how we perceive responsible government, um, how much tax is enough tax, how we invest in health and how we measure actual cost. Because this is another case, I think, of balance sheet politics being put ahead of Mm. social investment and what New Zealanders need. It's also a form of cost shifting. So there may not be money being spent in one place, but it's moved to another Um, An example in the hospital's response to the value management project was that every postponed or cancelled elective surgery costs more than $9,000. So we're not necessarily saving money. We're just moving the costs around.
0: No, but no one can predict this extraordinary um, inflation-rich environment that we were in. When they started building this hospital, Sarah, no one could predict. I mean, that's an eye-watering amount, $200 million.
6: Any new hospital build is an eye-watering amount of money. And I would argue that given the lifespan of hospital, doing it right according to um, best clinical advice and the needs of a community, the known needs of what that population is and will be, is the better way to go. We know that there's an ageing population in the Southern District. We know that with an ageing population, you're faced with more bed nights, greater complexity. We have to be clear about those things. This hospital, as it is, has been operating at more than 100% average occupancy okay.
0: for five years. Sarah, nice to have you on. Steve, I'm sorry, we can't, we don't have time to sort of continue this, but kia ora, Sarah. I really appreciate your time. Have a great, um, well-deserved break over the season.
6: Wallace, it was great talking.
0: That's Sarah Dalton there, the Association of Starry Medical Specialists, a big response to drugs. Dave says, my children are in the early 20s. I continuously drove into them. Don't take anything. You don't know what it is and where it comes from. To now say we will test it and be good to go, it's appalling. By the way, I'm 62. I've never taken an illegal drug. There you go. Um, but another one here says, I'm 48, fema ex-raver. I've taken most drugs. I'm a senior PhD professional. I smoke cannabis at home, occasionally with the girlfriend. A lot can be learned from drug users uh, from the 60s to the 90s. Now, to this. A framed transcript of Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern calling Act Leader David Seymour an arrogant prick in Parliament has sold for huge money. A hundred k plus money, which will go to a prostate cancer charity. Nothing else is close. There was a piece of art by the prime minister that fetched over eighteen thousand dollars online a couple of years ago, and we'll talk to the winner very soon, Julian Shorter. He's a a veterinarian uh, in Reefton, but with us now is ACT leader uh, David Seymour. Kia ora, David.
3: How are you going, Wallace?
0: I'm oh, very well, David. 100,100. 100. This is a staggering sum. The most viewed political item in trade Me's history. A small window of pride here?
3: Oh, pride for New Zealand. It's an only in New Zealand story. Uh, we hatched up the plan talking to a couple of uh, journos at the Press Gallery Party that you're probably familiar with. And I saw Jacinda was about five metres away, so I walked over, I said, Look, I got a proposition for you She said, Why am I nervous? I said, You probably should be, but hear me <laughs> out and um she she got it straight away. She agreed and she kept her word and followed through and then um old Julian you're about to talk to he put up a hundred grand for the prostate cancer foundation. So it's it's a great victory for pricks everywhere.
0: It's just <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean it's quite I mean this is cold hard cash too David. Uh, is this arguably the most constructive thing you've achieved in parliament so far?
3: <laughs> no, no, I I hope that's not your best wit. Um, <laughs> it's not <laughs>
0: a word, David, I'm just asking you a question, mate. I mean come no, on 100k I I... cold hard cash.
3: I think, I think, um, changing kids' lives for the better through charter schools and, um, allowing people to choose how they go and when they go at the end of their life. A uh, thing that I should mention, just while you, since you raised it, but um, but I'm very proud of this. I think it speaks well to New Zealand politics. All right,
0: David. Now we've got a panel with us, as you'd know. Steve's burning for a question. What do you what What are you asking, Steve?
5: Well, I'm just wondering, mate. You know, since since you you you've signed this document, um, the implication is is that you're agreeing with the PM. So what I want to know is, was she right?
3: Well, no, and and uh, if you know your politics, um, she's withdrawn the statement and apologised for it. So. Technically, it, it doesn't officially exist anymore. Um, so so you've you so, signed
5: uh, something that doesn't exist, and you still got under thousand for it. That's uh. pretty impressive, mate. Well done. <laughs> is is that well, policy in the future?
3: Well, I, I tell you what, I, I think your your jokes are almost as bad as, uh, as Wallace's. No, I, <laughs> Mate, I think, the, I think from you, I think that is the highest
5: wonderful. praise I could wish for. Thank you. I, You've made my day. I
3: think, it, I think it's been a wonderful uh, achievement for, for everyone concerned, and um, we're just taking it in the good spirit intended.
0: Good on you, David. Have a great break, Abe. Uh, no that's uh, David Seymour there, uh, ACT leader. Now with us is Julian Shorter, the buyer. Julian, welcome to the programme.
4: Uh, Thank you. It's actually Shorten, and N on the end.
0: Sorry, Shorten. Hey, look, um, uh, uh, how how do you feel being the winner of a hand subscript and forking over $100,100?
4: Yeah, I've got to go and borrow that and pay the interest (laughs) that's going up, but never mind. (laughs)
0: Was it? Tell me, Julian. Was it a spur of the moment thing, or wh- how did you get involved in this and actually go into such sums?
4: Um, okay, so a little bit of it was when I heard it, I thought, "Whoa, really, Jacinda's got a bit of steel in her." And then, uh, then David come back with his. Um, uh, really amazing uh, response and the pair of them decided to um, sign the Hansard and put it up. And when I saw that, I thought, have oh, got to be part of this. And at that stage, it was 50 grand. And no. I talked to my partner, Gail, and we, uh, where are we going to go with this? And and it sort of dripped and drabbed up. And um, uh, credit as well to that river point, the underbidder, um, just pushed it up, and then the competition started, and you get sucked into it, and you can't really back up.
0: And so, um,
4: we uh, ended up where we are.
0: And Julian, this is part of history now. I mean, as, as I mentioned, there have been other um, uh, memorabilia, such as uh, a piece of art by the prime minister that fetched what eighteen thousand dollars, and there are others. People are talking about their bill rolling badges and their pens. But you now own, Julian, a, a quite a unique piece of New Zealand political. Memorabilia. Where's it going to go?
4: Well, I actually offered it to David Seymour to hang up in the ACT offices or or somewhere in Parliament. Um, And uh, well, it it can it can just sit there, be quite cool. I think.
0: Good on you, Julian.
4: Hey, um, need to sit in my wall.
0: No, no. And on the final um, note, a hundred k to prostate cancer. uh, Money well spent.
4: Uh, I I think so. Um, And no government support for that particular society. And um, uh, as I spoke to the CEO today, and he said it's actually the most diagnosed cancer in New Zealand currently. So a lot of people living with this and, um, uh, yeah, an awful disease. Uh, the, The more for them, the merrier, really good cause.
0: Best wishes, Julian. Um, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for being with us here on the panel. Thank you. That is Julian Shorten, uh, the person who bought uh, the piece of art. He's a Reefston veterinarian. It is time for – well, it's actually – it's almost time for headlines, but let's go – we've got about two minutes, a minute each for uh, – your favourite book, one book that you can recommend our listeners, Boopsy.
2: Well, I really enjoyed reading Greta and Valdine by um, Rebecca K. Riley, And it's a really good book where actually if you're a city dweller, Auckland City is kind of the protagonist. So she talks about riding the bus or her brother is also, and you can tell each chapter changes between each character, the two main characters, and the R is at the top and the V. So if you don't catch that early on, it's kind of tricky. But then once you're into the flow, you kind of can't put it down. And I think... It's a lot to say, but it's rare that you hear you're so in depth into the city center of Auckland. So you might recognize the route of the bus they're on, or you might recognise the cafe they're in. So I hope people enjoy it this summer. It's a great read and a great gift.
0: Wonderful. That's Gritta and Beldine by Rebecca K. Riley. Steve McCabe, your book.
5: Right. Earlier in the year, my wife Debbie recommended a book to me called Awe by Becky too. It's her first novel, and it, it's astonishing to believe that someone could produce that as their very first book. It's, it's a difficult read. It's, it's about... Um, uh, child um, orphaning, orf- orphaning, and poverty and violence. It's it's not. It's challenging. It's absolutely beautiful. It's one of the best reads I've I've enjoyed in in years. Utterly brilliant. Alway by Becky Manawatu. Read it now.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. There you go. So uh, uh, Becky Ma- Becky Manowatu's book, uh, the remarkable Alway, and Greta and Baldine by Rebecca K Riley. Just to add to, to the books list, and someone's uh, just uh, texted in. We will help Julian pay for it if you give him my number. Wow. Uh, The Christmas spirit abounding this afternoon on the panel, RNZ National. It's time for headlines.